You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. It was the year of fire. The year of destruction. The year we took back what was ours. It was the year of rebirth. The year of great sadness. The year of pain. And the year of joy. It was a new age. It was the end of history. It was the year everything changed. The year is 2261. The place, Babylon 5. Who am I? I am Susan Ivanova, commander. Daughter of Andre and Sophie Ivanov. I am the right hand of vengeance and the boot that is going to kick your sorry ass all the way back to Earth. I am death incarnate. And the last living thing that you are ever going to see. It's over because we've decided it's over. Now get the hell out of our galaxy! Hello and welcome to the Epsilon 3, a Babylon 5 rewatch podcast. Each week we review an episode of the 1990s sci-fi TV classic Babylon 5. This week, Season 4, Episode 10, Racing Mars. I'm Paul. I'm Dan. I'm Sean. And And we... we... Are the Epsilon Three? I never get the. T- I never get the. I never understand the title of that. Racing Mars. Are we? Are we racing Mars? Is yeah, I didn't it, get it either? Mars. That's <laughs> like racing. It's like a team. You know, team racing Mars. And the synopsis: Franklin and Marcus arrive on Mars to begin coordinating with the Resistance. The rift between Sheridan and Garibaldi grows wider. Written by JMS and directed by my favorite director Jesus Trevino. Great name. This episode was released on April the 21st, 1997. It takes place from May 11th to May 13th, 2261. And the guest stars. Clayton Landy as number two. Marjorie Monaghan as number one. Mark Scheider as Wade. Donovan Scott as Captain Jack. Captain Jack! Oh no. (laughs) Where's the rum? Uh, Jeffrey, uh, sorry, Jeff Mead as Smuggler Number One, Carrie Doro as Bracari, Timothy Stark, who what's that now? Stark, Stark, Starks. How on earth do you pronounce that? Starks, S T A R T K S, Starks, as guard. I'm going to see won't be back. <laughs> Brian uh, Tahash as Smuggler Number Two. Uncredited are Bill Blair as Alien, Stephen Austin Scordelas as Pakmarar Ambassador, and Layla Huff as Naran Stroke Cadet. Guys, what did we think of this episode? Uh, you know what? For uh, for uh, a Dr. Franklin heavy episode, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> because he's not being a doctor, that's why. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's one of my first notes. Is like, I wonder what Sean was thinking about this episode. <laughs> uh, I, I don't, I don't care for the whole um, Garibaldi storyline, where he's miserable and stuff. That, 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 uh, it just doesn't really do it for me. I, I know there's a point to it, but 
I, I don't like it. Um, yeah, it's just it was it was a fun episode. It was good. We got to see another alien creature that controls people. Mm. So yeah, <laughs> let's bring that back. But uh, it was it was fine. Okay, Dan. Yeah, I, I think the opposite of last week where like the majority of the story didn't engage me, but I liked all the little bits. It was the other way around for me. I didn't really enjoy the the Garibaldi and Sheridan bits because it just kind of felt like we were going back just to lead up to them having a punch up. And I kind of think, I, again, I wanted more. I always want more. And I just wanted something a little bit more connected or they're piecing together this idea that, wait a minute, he's only been acting off ever since he came back from his weird week away with the shadows. Why is this happening? And maybe, you know, get Lita involved, try and make it into a more of a detective story where they're figuring out what his problem is rather than it just devolving into a fisticuff fight. Whereas the Mars stuff was actually genuinely interesting. I wanted to know more. Um, I was surprised that they didn't bring up that they've dealt with symbionts before and the, you know, that race of, alien symbiotes who share their lives with it and you know franklin has experience with it so that's why he can cut it off and all this i'm, I'm surprised they didn't go and lean into that even more um but we're setting up you know mars coming back the resistance all this sort of stuff things that in the back of my mind i seem to remember being a big factor of season four um so i was enjoying it it was all the setup what i didn't enjoy and what i messaged you both about was that hideous god-awful accent from oh i'm captain jack i'm gonna be from australia mate but then all of a sudden i'm gonna be from a fucking side of parts of all the uh, london side and then all of a sudden i'm very american i don't know what i'm talking about and everything <laughs> i expected more i expected more from donovan scott because um i loved him as uh, leslie barbara from uh, police comedy one one of my uh, favorite sort of comedy films he was the put upon uh, guy who joined the police academy so that he could beat up his bullies um and he was such a, a a nice lovable kind of guy in that and then he turns around and puts in this performance which just annoyed the hell out of me when if you put any clips of him in this episode can we just put dick van dyke doing <laughs> mary poppins instead because it is pretty much the same thing i think dick van dyke did a very good cockney accent to be honest then again not coming from cool. london i wouldn't know cool blimey mary cool, poppins. Blimey, mary poppins i'm from dutch I'm, I'm a dutch person coming over to london yes <laughs> So you more like Descartes from last I, week. I, I think I think we can uh, sweep this all under the rug because this was him trying to assert his dominance over the alien creature because uh, he could only do so many things. You see, so he, he had so it was the alien like... creature putting on the bad accent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, the shadows don't know how to do a good accent. Okay, fair enough. That mm -hmm. that makes oh, sense. This, yeah, this is a human okay. accent. Yeah, well, which part of human does it come from? Oh, just do the whole human. <laughs> Call blimey, Governor. I don't know what I'm doing. No. <laughs> I'm glad you did that because I was going to try and do it and I was going to fail right massively. <laughs> I won't be offended. I was more offended by the episode. That's fine. <laughs> Literally, nothing could be worse than the accent we got. Oh, my word. Yes, it was pretty poor. Uh, no, I liked, I liked this episode. I, I thought it was good. I liked the uh, interaction between um, Marcus and uh, Franklin. I thought it was. Uh, the whole setup of them uh, being a homosexual couple that were married brilliantly way ahead of its time. Oh, yes. But mm. then they start bickering like a, a proper married couple, which just made me chuckle so much. And, <laughs> Patterns. Uh, <laughs> yes. I did love that whole thing from Marcus. It's like, yeah. his mum called round and then I'm picking up <laughs> Patterns. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, he, he kept he kept going on with it. It was great. <laughs> he did. Frankly, was just taking it, but I thought it was just brilliant the way he just picked it up. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, sorry. Uh, yes, no. The, 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 this was a good episode. I like the fact that it was set up in the last episode and not just mm. set up now. We go down, we get the thing done, and then it's all over and done with. Or at least we got that part of it over with. I did like the way it was set up in the last one. They may have had a, may have had a bit more time, but it gave us more time to to spend with them in, in this episode. Uh, I, I liked the whole plot. I thought that was that was very good. And to bring back the aliens that we'd seen before attached to the neck of, of uh, Captain Jack was was a great uh, idea. That they're still around. That uh, you know they haven't gone away, and there's there's still some influence there. So yeah, I liked all of that. Yeah, all, all I can really say is woohoo. <laughs> I'd read, I'd read that in the um, in the uh, in the quotes at the end of IMDb, and I thought, oh, I wonder what that is. Ah, oh, that was just so good. And then the pair of them, the, the words of look and you know, the, the faces they pull. That you know, obviously embarrassment from uh, Linnea, but Sheridan's going, oh God, I'll put my face now. You know, oh, and then this big smile. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, oh, that's good. Okay, so let's get on with the review. Sheridan is wondering how they are going to get their supply shipments that are being cut off by Earth uh, by the Earth embargo. They only have a couple of months before th- uh, things become tough. Ivanova uh, relieves Sheridan of command so he can take some well-deserved time off. Marcus and Franklin are on the way to Mars, and they are playing I Spy like a couple of bored kids on the first road trip with their parents. Just then, Marcus disappears and reappears with a spy. Cool, that is a good I Spy game, isn't it, when you actually pick up a spy? Mm. I Spy with my little life's been beginning with S. S. A spy! <laughs> the man they have found is Captain Jack, a Cockney Australian-American with an accent more travelled than Bill Bryson. He has better food than the Babylon boys, but they can't be fraternizing with the locals as they need to keep a low profile. Sheridan is finding all the TV channels are jammed, except for the ISN News, which is playing Garibaldi's interview over and over again. It's just amazing where you just pick the channel straight away and there it was. <laughs> what I like is that the real dick move from Earth is that they banned all the adult channels as well. <laughs> that was the... St- that was the second one that Sheridan went to as well. I mean, what yeah. was going on there? <laughs> oh, can't, even, can't even get my pawn. <laughs> he hunts down Garibaldi and they have it out in the open. Now, what you said about me, I really don't care. But you're damaging the cause and hurting the station. It wouldn't be so bad if I at least understood it, but I don't. If I did something to, to upset you... Look, it'd take too long to explain, and I don't have the time. You see, I'm meeting a client in a few minutes, and he doesn't like authority figures, whether they're in or out of uniform. So why don't you go back to playing God and let the rest of us uh, mere mortals get back to business? All right, if that's the way you want it, fine. I don't know what's gotten into you, but it's not my problem anymore. I've got a job to do. I can't let anyone interfere with that, not even you. Sheridan accuses Garibaldi of making it personal. You held a position of authority here. Because of that, people took stock in what you say. You broke that trust. You knew what was at stake with that interview, and you deliberately gave aid and comfort to the enemy in front of a billion people. Oh, a little criticism, and the whole universe starts falling apart. Enough! Now, if you've got a legitimate complaint, you make it. But if it's a personal attack in disguise, it stops right here. Hey, I didn't make this personal. You did that all by yourself. What are you talking about? The people who work for you? 
They're not following the cause, they're following you. Do you ever hear of a little thing called a cult of personality? Well, it's not about us. It's not about doing what's right. It's about how you're fulfilling prophecy, how you went to Zaha Doom and came back alive. Hell, you even came back from the dead. Could we possibly get any more messianic than that? Garibaldi accuses Sheridan of buying his own publicity. What the real problem is, is that you're starting to buy into your own publicity. And maybe, just maybe, it's time that somebody punches a hole in that. Someone like you? I don't buy it. It's just a cheap excuse for crummy behavior. Bottom line is you're misusing your authority and I won't have it. You want to be mad at me? Fine, you be mad at me. But don't hurt everyone else just to get at me. At the end of the exchange, there are three people watching them from a distance. Franklin and Cole are eating crappy rations while waiting for their contact to turn up. Captain Jack is eating beef stroganoff and reciting nursery rhymes about Lita and the Vorlons. It turns out that he is the contact, but due to the travel restrictions not allowing single people to travel alone, he has only managed to get identity cards for the two of them as a married couple on their honeymoon. Now, uh, there's just one thing. <clears throat> we don't usually have people coming through here in pairs. Uh, most uh, of the resistance uh, travel light, travel alone. So to get travel permits for the two of you together, <laughs> well, our access to the transit bureau is limited to... Whatever we can steal. <laughs> so, <clears throat> you're Jim Fenneman and you're Daniel Lane. A young married couple on holiday to Mars for their honeymoon. <laughs> Meanwhile, Garibaldi is approached by the three onlookers to his exchange with Sheridan. They are sympathetic to his course and try to convince him uh, to join them to fight Sheridan. They leave him to think on it. Back on Mars, Captain Jack cannot believe there was a war as they had heard nothing about it on the Mars. On the Mars? On Mars. Ivanova is having a nice chat with the local criminals. She wants them to smuggle things they need instead of illegal goods that they have been bringing in. Food, spare parts. In return, they will get fighter escorts from four, jump point, four jumps out and repairs to their ships. Franklin, Cole and Jack are waiting for the tunnel t are walking the tunnels of Mars, seemingly unaware that there is a weaker gravitational pull on Mars. And then nobody think about that, that they were just walking around. They're in tunnels, so they're not in any gravity areas that might be yeah. in domes or something. Been... Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Um, and then they bump into three people with guns. They want to see their real IDs so they can verify that they are really from Babylon 5. Dylan finds Sheridan in the garden. He tells her about his encounter with Garibaldi, and she tells him about another ritual. Yes, another ritual. There could be another 50 to go. They have a ritual for everything. He is to come to her quarters, and they will get to know each other better, if you know what I mean. Or he can stay there and stare at the plants. Jack is tucking into another meal and shows Franklin a picture of his daughter. Then the number two arrives. Then number two arrives and tells them their DNA does not match their ID cards. During the confusion, number one turns up and she wants to see see them for herself. Franklin spocks spocks. Franklin spots. That's because you've got Spock T-shirt on your. How dare you wear a Spock T-shirt when we're recording Epsilon Three? Oh, I don't have a Babylon Five T-shirt. Oh, yet get one. Never seen one. <laughs> I'm sure they do one somewhere. Ask your brother Robin to make one. Yeah, there you go. Hmm. There is something on J uh, Jack's neck. Next thing, Jack pulls out a weapon and tries to shoot number one. 
Franklin dives on her, of course he would, to stop her and to on top of her and saves her. Because that's the only way you can stop a shot like that. You know? <laughs> I think he was actually moving before the gun came out, but anyway, never mind. Jack is shot in the shoulder, and the alien thing scurries away. Jack runs off and gets away. Franklin is dissecting the alien as number two tells him, uh, tells them he has found their real ID cards and that Jack must have swapped them before handing them over. Franklin tells them that the parasite was controlling Jack, but not quite enough to stop him uh, trying to tell Franklin that there was something wrong, giving, giving him his daughter's address and leaving his coat on, even though it was hot with clues, apparently. Jack has escaped and broken into a weapons locker and taken a thermal grenade. Whilst on the tube escaping, he is contacted by number one. She forgives him and tells him to come back as they have killed the parasite. Jack says it doesn't matter as they grow back and sets off the grenade. Sheridan finds Garibaldi to apologise for his outburst. Garibaldi is not impressed as an alien woman comes up to Sheridan wanting him to be blessed by the man who returns from Zahadun. Garibaldi pulls the woman away, hurting her, and when Sheridan tries to stop him, Garibaldi puts him on his ass. He tells him off after, uh, sorry, he lets him off after all after all they have been through together, but won't let him get away with another one. Sheridan goes to Delenn's quarters for the ritual, only to find seven Mimbari there, including Linnea, with Delenn. They are here for the ritual as well. I I thought we were going to be alone. I mean, what are they? They're here for the ritual. While we discover one another's pleasure centers, they wait outside to pray and meditate and ensure that things do not go too far. It is our tradition. They're going to be out here? Yes. While we're in there? Yes. Sheridan doesn't like an audience, but Dylan convinces him to stay. I can't. Dylan, I can't. In front of other no, 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 no. It I... matters to me that we do this properly, in keeping with the values and traditions of our people. As the engagement ring meant so much to you, our ceremonies mean just as much to us. Please stay. After the uh, ritual, Sheridan, huffing and puffing like you do after a, a ritual, uh, gets into an elevator with Linnea. Linnea takes one look at him and says, Woo-hoo. <laughs> Number one could tell Cole and Franklin that the other resistance leaders are going to join them, but it will take a couple of days. In the meantime, she invites them to join her for a meal. Cole, doing the gentlemanly thing, lets Franklin go with her while he will meet with them at the hotel that she has arranged for them. But for some reason, they have been given the honeymoon suite. Garibaldi meets up with the terrible trio. They want Sheridan delivered to them. But Garibaldi does not want to hurt him. They say no one is asking him to. So Garibaldi agrees to join them. Dum-dum-dum. You know what else you can join? This promo for another podcast right here on ESO Network. He's got me to offer every, every one. He's got something for it. Amazing. <laughs> and we have to play this one because it's for the flop cast and it's, you know, Mr. Eldridge, sir, mm. we have to pay your, play your podcast, sir. 
Ask yourself, is the Flopcast the right podcast for you? Do you have trouble picking a favorite Weird Al song, Karate Kid sequel, or Justice League Detroit member? Are you obsessed with Cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch, Vicky the Captain's daughter from the Love Boat, or Vicky the Robot from Small Wonder? Do you think Cindy Lauper's We Are the World solo is the most important event in history? Do you have half an hour a week for something completely stupid? Then the Flopcast might be the right podcast for you. We're on the ESO Network and at Flopcast.net. And on to the trivia. Although he is credited as a guest star, Jeff Griggs, uh, who plays uh, Dan Randall, who the hell was that? He was the ISN reporter who did the snow job on the. Uh, ah, right. Okay. Mm. Oh, of course he was Dan Randall. Yes. Illusion. Episodes back. Yes, you're right. I remember. He only appears in archive footage taken from the Illusion of Truth. Ah, that's good. There you go. Marcus mentions that he is a ranger. Marjorie Moynihan, who plays number one, previously starred in Space Rangers, 1993, another sci-fi series. My goodness, that is trivial. Mm. When Captain Jack shows Franklin his dinner, Franklin says, it's beef and potatoes. His mouth doesn't match the words. Ooh, I meant to watch that and see what he actually said. Captain Jack's accent switches back and forth from heavy Australian to slightly English to very American with almost every other sentence. Yes. That's yeah, good. yeah. Oh God, so bad. <laughs> it's made all the worse by the fact that Marcus is standing right next to him doing a flawless British accent, and then he's doing that. It's yeah, just, because that's oh. his natural voice. That's the... yeah, but like you don't think that maybe it would just sort of rub off on him. Like, oh yeah. wait a minute, my accent well, doesn't sound anything like that. <laughs> well, he did. Maybe there was a, there was an Australian actress somewhere or actor somewhere that, uh, you know, and he was listening to Marcus. Then he'd listen to the Australian, then he listened to the American, and he was just whizzing around and go, "Oh, I got to follow these people." <laughs> Or maybe it's a Martian accent. I don't know. Who knows? Could be. Could be. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Because mm. obviously you're going to throw, um, you know, all your convicts from you know from Earth onto Mars, <laughs> along with some you know Americans who desert from the UK anyway, and then some people True. from the UK who think it's nice to live in Australia in America. So you know, <laughs> you'll end up on Mars, and then you'll have this weird accent. Yeah. Truth, call blimey, got, mate. <laughs> and they've only got Mary Poppins to watch on the little transport as it goes off to Mars. There you go. Got stuck on a loop. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sean, are there any Star Trek connections? Oh, boy, wouldn't you like to know? As a matter well, of fact... That's why I asked you. <laughs> I know. I know. There are there are some Star Trek connections. Uh, we've got Jeff Mead, who played Smuggler Number 1. Uh, he was in the Enterprise episode Two Days and Two Nights as a Dion male. And he was in the video game uh, Star Trek Voyager Elite Force as the voice of Tom O'Dell and a Malon. Uh, and then we had Clayton Landy, who played the number two. He was in the Deep Space Nine episode Prodigal Daughter as Fuchida. And the big one here is Marjorie Monaghan, who played number one. She was in the Voyager episode Heroes and Demons as Freya. Yeah, the doctor's girlfriend from the Beowulf thingy. Yeah. Yes, that. Oh, that one. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I missed that one. I didn't see her name. Oh, and, and of course, another uh, Star Trek reference when Delenn says there are forty-seven rituals. <laughs> oh no, fifty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice catch. I did wonder if that was deliberate because of all you know the crossover between all the writers and things. Oh, I thought man. maybe they were doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why did I not? Oh, I was supposed to write that in for the last episode. Oh, I forgot. I was going to say about the cat. I was, I was going to say ah. to him, uh, 
was going to say, uh, and and uh, Ducat uh, dies before he gets a chance to go on to Babylon Five, onto um, DS Nine. <laughs> oh, I thought I put I thought I put that in. Oh, maybe I didn't then. You did mention Deep Space Nine. Oh, did I? Oh, Take maybe I did that. Yeah. Ah, there you I go. think you might have mentioned. Yeah. I wasn't listening to myself. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> like that got you two to do that for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um. So uh, ratings. Uh, IMDb uh, give those out of ten, and they've given it a seven point four. We give ours uh, out of five. So seven point four works out as a, a three point seven. Uh, Sean, what did you uh, think of this episode? Uh, I thought it was a little bit better than last week's. It gave us some new information. It gets us going with the, the Mars resistant thing. Uh, we, we know that uh, supplies are running out. We get to see Susan with the black market guys. So that was cool. She's uh, she's happy to take that on. Uh, the Garibaldi stuff, you know, like I said earlier, it's uh, meh, whatever. It's it's fine. It, I guess we're getting somewhere with it. Um your, your Captain Jack guy that you guys know pretty well, I guess. Uh, I don't know who he is, but uh, yeah, his accent was definitely uh, a little bit out there. <laughs> <laughs> in, in two different directions. Yeah, exactly, mm. exactly. But we'll we'll uh, we'll chalk that up to the alien influence. Um, I, I did think Garibaldi was a little bit out of line when uh, he was saying that John was. Uh, buying his own publicity because John wasn't and there's no indication that he is. So that seems to be coming out of left field. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a good episode. I'm going to give it a 3.75. Cool. Thank you. Um, very good. Very good. Um, Dan, what did you think of this episode? Yeah. Again, I mean, all the things we sort of mentioned with the accent and stuff kind of threw me out. So it's not going to be a high rating episode because there were moments where I was very aware of what he was doing as an actor and really wasn't paying attention to what the scene is. So I did have to flick back and then actually properly watch the scene and try and stay focused, but it was just winding me up. Um, yeah. The, the Garibaldi stuff, when he starts shaking the alien lady who wants uh, a blessing from Sheridan, it's like, you know, he doesn't even look like the Pope or like, didn't even look like her. Um, and, uh, you know, these moments, I, I almost thought it was going to go into an airplane moment. You know, he was going to shake her and then someone else comes and shakes her and keeps on going. But I'm not I'm going to resist airplane moments. We haven't done that since season two. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just I really enjoyed the Mars stuff. I thought it was a good setup. You know, it, we are now furthering this plot that these symbiote things are taking people over and trying to meddle in affairs. So we got a lot of stuff there. And yeah, a Franklin episode that I'm not wanting to take the mickey out of and and hate and and actually enjoy his input because he solves the whole symbiote thing as he's pulling it apart so i'm gonna go for a 3.7 just like imdb okay so i was i was a bit sort of torn with this episode because it was it, it went from being really good to excruciating to watch to mm. go back in the middle again um the really good bits were the, um, the you know the spin-off that we want, which is the Marcus mm. and Franklin episodes. He Franklin was really good. Um, I don't know what it is about science fiction shows where they have a doctor and they they move him away and put him as a spy or you know use him instead of being a doctor they they use him for other things. Uh, Star Trek do it up a lot, obviously. Um, but yeah, this, this. Why would you send him? I mean, I know he's supposed to be like a you know, inconspicuous person, and he, and he could quite easily go in as a doctor, and people trust doctors, so yeah, I suppose why not? But um, 
sat next to a ranger, you know, which is a bit weird. Um, but yeah, the inter- interactions between them, and I'm, I'm Marcus Cole's, you know, comedy moments of you know saying all these things about him, and, and you know, oh, you, you know, he, 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 uh, oh, what was he saying about? Um, oh, he'll be sitting in his room, mood, you know, being moody again or something. You know, th- things like that it was just <laughs> so fu- you know so funny and, and um, worthy of a, a, its own sitcom. Um, yeah, I didn't like Garibaldi's. Oh, this has been going on for too long. It, it, it's been it's been so long since we first saw him being kidnapped and held and you know tortured if you want to use that word. Certainly, something psychotic has happened to him. This is dragging on. It's like it's like they forgot about the storyline and picked it up again. Like, oh yeah, there's mm. the whole Garibaldi. Uh, well, that's right. It's as though they said, "Oh yeah, we we must do something about Garibaldi's thing." Oh yeah, but hang on, we've got all these really good bits. It's uh, let's well, let's leave it for next week's episode, and we'll just mention it in this one so people haven't forgotten. And we get it, you know, we know we understand it. And it's just oh. the fact he's still on the station annoys me. If he hates Sheridan that much, and he's you know doesn't get on with it, move off the station, go live your life somewhere else, which I thought was what he wanted to do. I right. thought he was supposed to be going off and helping people and doing things. He seems to be there all the time. Um, so I'm a bit confused about that storyline, but um, but yeah, uh, so there was sort of those bits, you know, in between bits, and the um, Sheridan and Dylan bits were quite good. Um, <laughs> woohoo! From, from the, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, the, those those sort of things were were really really good. Yeah, uh, yeah you know, you got to discover your pleasure centers. It's important. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would have loved it if Sheridan had gone in. He's found the seven people there. You know, the Mimbari there. They're going to watch what's going on. But as they went into the room, if you could have seen Jakar's eye in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would have been good oh, yeah. <laughs> on, a, on a little pedestal as it turns as they go into the room or something. <laughs> or they walk. Zach breaks in because he's like he's tapped into like an unsecured <laughs> channel. It's like, oh, it's his eye again. No, he's been doing this all week. Just he picks up the eye and just walks out. Yeah. No mention, no mention of what's going on. Yeah, I think that would have been good. But anyway, yeah. So I I actually like this episode. I think there's. I would watch this again. I, w- I would go on my way just to watch those those Mars bits because that's a good that was a good plot line, good storyline, and I think it was it raised it a little bit more than what Garibaldi dropped it down to. So um, overall, I'll give this a four out of five. I think. Well, we're just going to wait outside the door and pray for you. <laughs> yeah. What you mean, like seven Mimbari? What are you watching? What do you think I'm doing in here? <laughs> I'm podcasting, honest. <laughs> it's good because Sheridan can't get the adult channels anymore, so he might as well get something out of it. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, all you'd hear is me frustratingly editing podcasts. <laughs> okay, so that's the end of this episode. Join us again next week when we will be discussing season four, episode eleven, line of communication. Woo hoo. <laughs> You've been waiting all morning <laughs> to say, haven't you? Yep. Just <laughs> uh. my luck. First time in my life, I'm a war hero and nobody knows about it. And worst of all, I'm married to you. Well, that's not my idea. Oh, you say that now. Tell that to your mother. She never stopped calling us about it. So when's the big day? I've got to pick out patterns. Your father isn't going to live forever and on and on and on and on. I hate this. I really... <laughs> You're just nervous, that's all. You'll get used to it. Next thing, we'll be locking himself in the bathroom all night.
If you have any thoughts on this episode, why not send in some feedback to the epsilon3 at gmail.com. That's three spelled T-H-R-E-E, not the number. Or you can find us on our Facebook page. Just search for the Epsilon 3. Now, if you have any other problems, any other questions at all, just ask. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.